1: Welcome to Garage Logic. Deputy Mayor Tom Hauser sitting in for the vacationing mayor, the holiday vacationing mayor, Joe Souchere. It is three degrees outside, and Mr. Reavers, that seems like a heat wave
2: compared to the last couple of days. Yes, yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah. And you know, when we were getting started here, I felt like I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when uh, what anniversary of GL was it when I did a feature with. All you guys. Would have
2: been the 20th anniversary because we're about to celebrate 25 this upcoming Yeah, so year. it must have
1: been the 20th. And I, I remember there was a, a a clip I used of the mayor uh fumbling around trying to find some headsets that worked yeah. or or something. And I remember much much of the first segment of the show was him, you know, fumbling around with it. Maybe it was his chair. Yeah, it might have been his you chair. This, there was yes. something he could not get the chair to be just right. Well, yeah. I was... My issue just now was finding headphones that were across the desk from me, and I tried to pull them over here and then realized they were still, they plugged, were still in plugged in. They were still plugged into the adapter so on the other side. So then you're playing the open, and I'm going around to the other side, unplugging headphones, and I go, I hope that open lasts a long time. <laughs> I hope it's a good, long... It's only about four and a half minutes. Oh, is yeah, it? Okay. But that's okay. We got oh, so it. Oh, so I can, really I can just... I can go... Can I go grab some coffee? Sure, why not? I, Cole's we, usually
2: does when he fills
1: in, so that's we have, fine. We have another three <laughs> minutes or so left of that. Uh, anyway, it is. Uh, it's great to be back uh, here on Garage Logic and uh, Mr. Chris Reavers at the control board. Uh, I imagine Rookie is well. Who knows where? No one's
2: here be. this week, Tom. That's the beauty of GL on the holiday season. It's, uh, they're basically stuck with me because I'm the only one willing to work.
1: <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's nice. I like taking the week off between Christmas and New Year's because, on the political beat, uh, although this year has been a little different, there's been something going on. Uh, the, the, the political stories have not respected any holiday boundaries this year. Sure. Uh let's just put it that way. <laughs> Things have been happening around Thanksgiving. I remember I traveled to Washington D.C. a couple times on the Senator Franken story and and then I was back there like 10 days later and so <clears throat> sometimes it does not always respect uh the the boundaries of the holidays, but generally between Christmas and New Year's even the politicians don't want to commit any news. Right. And so far Here we are Wednesday of the week between Christmas and New Year's, and they have managed uh, to not do that. So uh, anyway, uh, let's turn our attention to sports for a moment. I went out to the Schwanz Cup last night, Minnetonka against Edina, and everybody was anticipating. It's number one against number two, uh, Edina number one. They were dominating everybody up until last night. uh, And last night, uh, they essentially had their, their helmets handed to them by the Minnetonka skippers who were number two, and Minnetonka won the game by a score of 5-2. to Wow. And uh, we're going to speak with Mr. Mike McGraw. Is the hockey professor ready for us? Yes, he is. Mr. McGraw, how are you? I am fine, Thomas, and you? I am doing great. It was wonderful to see you last night. uh, Likewise. at, at, At Ritter Arena, which, by the way, is one of my favorite venues to watch hockey.
3: I agree with you. That's a great rank. The only thing yesterday, they could have turned up a little bit of the heat. <laughs> the, Just a little. The,
1: well, when it's, yeah. when it, especially when I waited for a half hour in line for tickets, uh, I was thinking the same thing because it, we're in this serpentine line in the not-very-big lobby of Ritter Arena, and every time that door was would open, it was like Old Man Winter blew right in. Uh, and it, I, it was yeah. uh, it was a little uncomfortable until we got our tickets and got into the arena. But the sight lines in there are great; everybody is close to the action, and that was pretty close to being a full house for number one against number two, wasn't it? It
3: was. I, I was really pleased with the crowd, but I think a lot of people did stay home because of the weather. I was really expecting that to maybe be a standing room, because it was the marquee early season marquee matchup of the two of the three best teams in the state.
1: Yeah, you're not going to see that. Very often, uh, one against two in a tournament like this that you know has some prestige to it. You know, in the middle of the season, and I, I think you, like a lot of us, I mean, you you watch all of these teams a lot as as part of your scouting scouting duties with the Boston Bruins. But you you knew what Minnetonka had, uh, but a lot of people were just before the game. Uh, handing this game to Edina. Like, they're going to come in and is going to find out just how far they have to go to to catch up to Edina. That certainly uh, was not the case.
3: No, I, I thought going into it, this was a very even game. I have a lot of respect for Kurt and his Edina team this year. I think they're very good. I think is the other premier team, and I think the third premier team in the state right now is St. Thomas Academy. Those two, or those three, excuse me, to me, are ahead of all the other teams. Then there's a big bunch of teams, Centennial, Eden, Prairie, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that would run from 4th through 10th in the rankings.
1: Yeah, and it's and, and in the Schwann's Cup, we are looking at the potential, depending upon how the semifinals go. We could be looking at a St. Thomas Academy-Minnetonka matchup.
3: Yes, we could, and I would like to see that. Uh, they played, uh, I think, right out of the blocks this year in a Two-game tournament at Bloomington, and uh, Minnetonka beat St. Thomas Academy 5-4 in that game, scoring late to win it. So it would be in- very interesting to see now just how those two teams would match up.
1: Now tell me w- your thoughts on on last night's game. Uh, I, I will, and you're the expert, but what I saw was a, a team, uh, Edina, that seemed a little taken by surprise uh, by the speed of Minnetonka. And, uh, and then Edina didn't seem to have a lot of confidence. They were misfiring a lot in the offensive zone. They had some plays that could have been scoring plays, and they just couldn't connect.
3: Right. I, well, you look at Minnetonka's start. They score on a power play on a beautiful play by Bayless, a behind-the-back blind backhand pass right to the tape for Josh Schludke to put away. That's their first goal. Then they're... The second goal to get to tie the score 2-2, Molinar picks the puck out of the air with his stick, knocks it down in the slot, makes a nice move, cuts across front of the net and buries it. So they have a, a power play goal, shorthanded goal, and that really put, I think, Edina on their heels, especially, like you said, they had the scoring opportunities and they couldn't convert on them early.
1: And, and that Molnar goal was so crucial because... Even though Minnetonka had been dominating the first period, they uh, Edina scored two quick goals to go up two to one, and you thought, okay, you know, here 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 we go, and then uh, uh, Joe Mulnar uh, steals that puck, goes in, and makes a, just a, a wonderful move on the, the goaltender uh, to tie the game to all, and that was when I think Edina realized they were really in for a game.
3: Well, they were, and, and as you mentioned. They misfired, and they not only misfired with the puck in the offensive zone, but Molnar stealing the puck, last man back, rule in hockey, last man back. You never gamble with the puck. You never try to make a super play. When, you're, when there's a forechecker coming at you, you, just get the puck out of the zone. Chip it if you have to off the glass or whatever, but you're safe with it. Instead, of the Dinah defenseman tried to feed the puck up the center of the ice. Molnar, being very astute player, just stepped in, and great eye-hand coordination picked it off. And I think that set them back on their heel. Then in the second period, their miscues in the offensive zone happened. And if you remember, there was one time uh, Minnetonka didn't score, but almost did when the Edina defenseman went to pass the puck and his stick broke on him, and it was right there. The guy, Minnetonka man, picks it up, fires it off the post. So
1: Yes, and, 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 but you're right. The, the, I, I, I would guess I counted at least three or four really bad turnovers by Edina in their own zone.
3: Right. Very uncharacteristic of their team this year, especially from the defensemen, because I think, in all honesty, what I've seen so far this year, from one to six, uh, they have the best set of defensemen in the state right now. There's no team that's as deep. There are some teams that have one or two that are as good as what Edina has, but they don't have a top six like that. So it was very uncharacteristic of that group of players. To mishandle the puck the way they did last night.
1: So, how do you explain then what happened last night? Because again, from start to finish, the game really wasn't close. It, it, it um, you know, Minnetaka seemed to be in control of that game from the get-go, even when they were behind two to one. Well, I agree with you to a certain extent, but once
3: Mo and I scored, they came out for the second period, and then uh, Kofi. I think it's how you put it or cocky. He, he came out when he stole the puck for the fourth goal and scored off of that. It was like all the air went out of the balloon, balloon for Edina. I think two things early happened to Edina. One, they didn't convert as easily as they did. So they started squeezing their sticks a little bit. And secondly, I think what went unmentioned last night was uh, Luke Lohite, how hard he played. Didn't figure in the scoring, but he, just his hard play. He made it hard for every Dyna kid to play against him last night. And he really set the tone for the rest of his team to match his performance.
1: And Luke is a, is a tough player, headed to UMD oh. next year. And he, uh, a lot of people might not be aware of this, but he is Bill Goldsworthy's grandson. So right. so he has some hockey genes, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, yes, he does. And the uh, coach is his uncle, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I just think that, uh, that Luke has grown up a lot uh, from last year. He's always been a strong skater and a strong physical specimen. But now he's beginning to understand how you play the game, when you go hard, when you don't have to go hard. He was almost perfect in those categories last night of when to really punish kids and go after them instead of taking dumb runs. His skating last night was absolutely superb.
1: And now I, I forget the, the exact shots on goal, but I think it was something uh, advantage to Minnetonka. Something like, was it 34-16, 36-14, yeah. something like that. So a, right. a, a decided edge in shots for Minnetaka, but you cannot dismiss some of the great saves Charlie Glockner made in goal for Minnetonke, including the highlight reel. You probably know the one I'm talking about. Uh, his glove came out of nowhere. The puck headed for a wide-open net, and he right. snared that. And I think had he Dinah scored that goal, I think it, I think it was 5-2 to two at the time. That would have made it 5-3, to three. and then maybe that might have put Minnetonke back on their heels. But how much confidence does that give a team when they see their goaltender step up and make a save like that?
3: Well, a a huge amount, because Glockner really was good. Glockner was the difference in the game last night. He made every big save he had to make. But if you notice the saves he made, even on that glove save, which was a big-time save, he was being shot on straight on, so he was getting a good look at the puck. The only times that Edina scored on him is when they moved the puck east to west in front of him and tipped it or the guy coming across shot it. But he was really good last night and seeing the puck through traffic. He had a great game last night. And he's a big kid, so he fills a lot of the net.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, Michael, we're going to take a break here for a minute. We're going to come back and talk more high school and maybe a little NHL hockey with the okay. hockey professor, Mike McGraw. Stay right where you are, Mike. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Garage Logic. Deputy Mayor Tom Hauser sitting in for... Mayor Joe Suchere, who was off enjoying the holidays, probably in his garage. Where a lot of people, uh, Chris, this time of year, are out in the garage assembling Christmas gifts Hopefully that they bought for their heated. kids.
2: Hopefully it's heated. It, yeah. Well, I did.
1: come on, you yeah. kidding? His garage, I'm yeah. sure it's heated. It's more like a pallet. Yeah, he, exactly. He pretty much lives out there. Uh, we're uh, talking to Mike McGraw, the hockey professor, about high school hockey. We were both out at the Schwann's Cup yesterday. And, I, Mike, I hear you were there in the morning, and you were still there last night? How many hours did you spend at the rink yesterday?
3: Well, I started at 12 and got home whenever Minnetonka Dyna game ended, so... Yeah, Four and, games only, though it was
1: fun, and uh, we we stayed till the till the <laughs> bitter end of the Edina minnetonka game because, of course, my kids have graduated from Edina or from Menataka. I grew up in Edina. My kids all are <laughs> going to Minnetonka. so there's some mixed uh, you know emotions in all of this for me. But for my kids, it is skippers all the way, and for me, for the most part as well. But my my son Hobie, who you saw last night, he wanted to stay until the final second uh, ticked off. <laughs> Because well, there's been too many times where the score has been the other direction. Exactly.
3: He's got his Christmas present for the first time in years. Minnetonka <laughs> versus the Dinosaur. If I was Hobie, I would have stayed too. But oh. I did notice one thing about you last night. You kind of slipped into the rink without any green on for the first time at any Dinosaur game that I could remember. You,
1: you, you may have noticed I, I, I did have actually some blue on. I, I had yes, a, you I, did. I had, a, I had a blue shirt. <laughs> And but I, you know I was just trying to stay under the radar. You know we don't we, we can't play favorites in the media, Mike. You know that, yeah, right. S- especially hit a right. game like Minataki Dino where I'm all I'm all mixed up. But but it was fun. And then a lot of these these kids who are, are seniors. For Minnetonka, my son Nick has played youth hockey with them through the years. And so it's really fun to see them come together and have the kind of success uh, they're having. But before we crown uh, Minnetonka as number one after beating Edina, uh, Minnetonka has some work left to do. Uh, I know the matchup you're hoping for, uh, just in terms of the optics of it, because of the rankings, would be uh, Minnetonka-St. Thomas Academy. What's the likelihood you think that's going to happen?
3: Well, I think so. I, I think St. Thomas, I, I really think that the, that the state right now has three teams, Minnetonka, St. Thomas Academy, Dinah, that are better than everybody else. And then it's a group of five or six teams that would be in the next clump. So I do think St. Thomas Academy has the ability to beat Eden Prairie, and I think that um, – Minnetonka is going to beat Hill Murray. I, I just both of those teams are playing so well right now, and they—they have much depth that I think they'll be there in the finals.
1: And Hill Murray was a bit of a surprise yesterday. At least yes, I consider were. it. I mean, the, the Centennial Cougars were ranked fifth in in Class Two A, and I as I recall, where was Hill Murray ranked? I don't think they were in the top ten, were they?
3: No, I think they're outside the top ten for the first time. On one poll, they were nine. Okay. Uh, one of the ranking services. They were nine. Uh, especially with uh, the little McGregor kid last night potting the, his second hat trick of the season. He seems to do it against big teams. He went up to Duluth and scored a hat trick against Duluth East and then last night against Hill Murray.
1: I think it was actually McGregor's, I think I read his third hat trick in three games. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's in, oh. the, the score was four to four, and so he scored you know three quarters yeah. of, their, of their goals. <laughs> so clearly he's a player to keep our eye on. But So it'll be interesting to see if that championship game materializes. Uh, then I think probably the winner of that game, again, this is assuming Minnetonka and St. Thomas Academy don't have hiccups on their way to the championship of the Schwann's Cup, the winner of that game will likely be the number one team next week, wouldn't you think?
3: Well, I would think so, and I think they'll stay number one until they get beat by somebody, if they do get beat by somebody. So it is, it is a big game. I, I think the guys that are doing the rankings understand that.
1: So. Yeah, and again, if you're interested in the Schwan's Cup, uh, games going on today, tonight, and again tomorrow out at Ritter Arena, where Mike and I both agree it's a great place to watch high uh, high school hockey uh, without question. It was a great atmosphere there last night. Let's turn our attention a little bit to the to the NHL. Let's start with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, okay. They just haven't been able to put things together, Mike. Any, any idea what's going on there?
3: You know, I don't know. I, I think one of the things is uh, you, you have one of your best players, Al Parisi. It's really difficult to make up for him, and he's been out for a long time. They've played good in fits and spurts, but they haven't been consistent. I think that's one of the things. Dubnik getting hurt bothered him. And I, I think overall what's happened to him, I don't watch all their games, but I do watch some of them is they've gotten away from their system, you know, like they'll write in the paper, they've gotten away from who they are, they lost their identity, but systems in the NHL seem to be really important. And the more structure you have, the better off you are. When things go difficult, that if you stick with the structure, and you really believe in that, the team will be successful eventually. And it seems like Minnesota's lost its way a little
1: bit. Well, they're back home now, so they have a a big game against Dallas tonight, and then they play Nashville on Friday, and I hope to be out at the game Friday night. Uh, very important for them to try to reestablish something here and win uh, these next couple of home games.
3: Well, they have to They have to do something at home. They have to be as difficult at home as they have been in the past, and they ha- that's one of the things that's lacking from them this year. And points-wise, it's time that they need to start looking at the standings and understanding where they are. I mean, they're not point-wise; they're not that many play uh, points out of the wild card. But there are so many teams involved in chasing that last wild card spot now. now. If you, it's easy if you're chasing one team, but it's difficult when you're chasing three or four teams or five teams, like it is for them now uh for that wild card spot well let's turn
1: it let's turn our attention to your beloved Boston Bruins they're doing pretty well I believe they're in about the sixth playoff spot something like that right now uh 1910 and what is it 1910 and do they have no ties we all five have a few. Oh, they have five they yeah, do a five yeah. okay I, I, you know at my age Mike I can't read very well <laughs> some people would say I couldn't read when my eyesight was good but uh, uh but the Bruins are are looking pretty good you got to be pleased that they're at least in a playoff position
3: well we are we have seven people playing tom under 23 years old that are playing regular in our lineup some made the lineup on their own others have had to play because we've had so many injuries we're starting to get players back now and we're still battling the injury part of it but i think one thing that's allowed us to do as well as we have is that our coaches um uh, our coach is a big structured guy, and if you play the system, do the things you should do, we'll be successful as a team. And he's gotten that idea across, and our young kids have really, really responded to that. They're playing, uh, they're playing lots of minutes. Charlie McAvoy, he's just turned 20 um, right before Christmas, and he is averaging about uh, 23 and a half minutes a night
1: wow. playing.
3: And he's playing against everybody's top line because he's paired with uh, Chara. Well, and, so, you, uh,
1: so you have to be encouraged with all those young players in the lineup yeah. that uh, this year might just be setting the table for the next couple of years.
3: Right. I mean, it. it we're going to hit a rough spot uh, somewhere along the line. Everybody, you all go through that, and it'll be interesting to see how our young kids handle it. And our team is only going to be as good as our young kids are. I mean, our veterans are playing very well back. You know, from Minnesota and uh, the little rat. Marshawn and you know those guys are playing very well for us and they have to continue to play well but once you hit a rough spot pros have been through that they understand what they need to do individually and collectively but the young kids haven't been through that yet so it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that when that patch comes
1: and final thing uh, before I let you go there was a great article in the paper today about Bobby Orr's great uh, Stanley Cup winning goal <laughs> in 1970. That iconic photo of him parallel with the ice yeah. as he's leaping uh, for the celebration. Yeah. What is your memory of, of that game? Do you recall? Were you watching when that happened, or is uh, it just just like many hockey fans of a certain age, you just remember the highlight of it very well?
3: No, I remember watching the end of the game. I don't remember watching early, and I think I was probably elsewhere at watching and and just caught the end of the game and watch the last few minutes, but I will say this about Bobby Orr: I've met him a few times. And I had the good fortune to do that. And that man is one of the nicest people I have ever met in my life. All the good that that man does and wants no recognition for it is absolutely amazing. He is the most humble human being for accomplishing what he has
1: accomplished.
3: I, I, I just can't see enough good things about the
1: person. He's well, and, a great, great guy. And when I was a kid, although I was a big North Star fan, he was my uh, one of my favorite players in the league. Probably at the time he was my favorite player and I loved those teams with Phil Esposito and, <laughs> yeah. and Johnny Busick and Bobby Orr, but Bobby Orr, he he was just so young and he he was just he did what he did without a lot of flash, but he would just amaze you when he would go from one end of the rink to the other and you go, "How did he do that?" And it, yeah. it was it was so much fun to watch. In fact, I have a, a big picture of him hanging in my basement right out, right inside the door that goes out to our backyard hockey rink. Uh, one of the last things you see is Bobby Orr as you walk out. I can't, <laughs> can't skate anything like Bobby Orr, but one of my all-time favorite players. Oh, yeah.
3: I agree with you. I mean, he was one of the guys that changed the format of the game, how the game was played. The other Wayne Gretzky in my lifetime, but those, Bobby Orr and Wayne had the biggest influence on the game. There's no doubt about it. No one played defense like Bobby Orr played offense on defense. Yeah, and no until the
1: time, no, no defenseman could score a goal like Bobby Orr could. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. Well, Michael, as always, I enjoy talking hockey with you at all levels, whether it's high school, college, or the pro game. Uh, thanks for uh, taking some time with us today. I will see you at a rink very soon. That you will, Tom. Thank All you. Right. I appreciate it. Mike McGraw, the hockey professor, you will also see him on our coverage on 45 TV of the Girls and Boys State High School Hockey Tournaments coming up before you know it. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Deputy Mayor Tom Hauser sitting in for the mayor today, who's off enjoying the post-Christmas glow in his garage, we presume, and resting up for the new year, 2018. Joining me now, the voice of the Minnesota Golden Gopher hockey team, Wally Shaver. Wally, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing just fabulous. This is good hockey weather, isn't it? Oh, it's. Uh, this is what it's all about, right? And and you <laughs> were just, I understand, in Chicago, right?
4: Yeah, my son uh, lives in Chicago with his wife Karen, and they. Uh, uh, he works for the Chicago Wolves in the American Hockey League and uh, does all their TV broadcasts. So. Yeah, we had a nice visit with him and some friends over uh, Christmas Day, so it was a, a very pleasant uh, uh, respite to get out of the town here for a few days.
1: And I understand, I think I saw this on Twitter or somewhere, that didn't Chicago have a white Christmas? Did Was there a little bit of snow that fell on Christmas yeah, or before? Uh,
4: they were talking about maybe an inch or two and ended up getting about four inches of snow in that city, so it got a little bit sloppy, but, uh, you know, they're prepared for it. They know how to shovel off the walks and get the snowballs out, so it wasn't too bad.
1: Yeah, and it made it very very Christmassy for you and your family. So, uh how much fun though to go and watch your son uh kind of following your step your footsteps and his grandfather's footsteps.
4: Yeah, it's it's been uh, a, a real joy of our family to to see three generations of hockey broadcasters. So it's uh he's doing well, enjoys the uh, the profession and uh he's been in it for a few years now, so it's uh it's good. And I'm glad you brought up my dad out because I just want to pass on a big hello to a lot of uh Old North Stars and hockey fans, who I know, uh, like me, a lot of people went to bed with a transistor radio, listening to him calling North Star hockey games. But he's doing well. Uh, just before Christmas, we went up to Vancouver Island in British Columbia there and visited he and my mom, and they're they're both ninety years old. Oh, that's great! And doing great. well, still living on their own. And uh, I can assure you that right about now, he's probably watching the. Uh, the World Junior Championships on TV.
1: Oh, I'm sure he is. And, you know, I, that brings memories back. I was just talking to Mike McGraw a few minutes ago about the great Bobby Orr Stanley Cup winning goal in 1970, and that was right in my the wheelhouse of my childhood and, <laughs> and loving and hockey and listening to your dad do North Star Games was what it was all about. And I remember when I moved away after I graduated from college and I was working in TV jobs around the country, when I would come back for, like, say, Christmas break, and I would tune in a North Star game, because back then you couldn't do it on the Internet. You could only hear Al Shaver when you came home, and that's when I knew <laughs> I was home, when I would hear your dad's voice.
4: Yeah, it was great to, to listen to him all those years, but uh, he does pass along a big hello to all the, the Minnesota hockey nuts around here. <laughs>
1: all right, well, that's, that's great to hear. I'm glad to hear he's doing well at, at the young age of 90. So you've, yes. you, uh, I hope you have the same longevity genes that your mom and dad do. Well,
4: well, I'm liking how they keep surviving. That's, that's fine with all us kids in the Shaver family. Well, you know,
1: you could maybe say the same about the Gopher hockey team right now. Uh, they, they've been in a bit of a struggle. At this point, it almost looks like Notre Dame is trying to run away with the Big Ten. What's going on, Wally?
4: Well, we never should have let Notre Dame in the league for sure. You know, <laughs> yes. ten and over no, right now, especially you know, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, they—they're uh, a legitimate team. Uh, Notre Dame, as most might recall, were in the Frozen Four championship a year ago, so they had just about everybody coming back from that team—a uh, team a year ago. So, no question, uh, the league certainly got a lot deeper with uh, them coming in. But even the the league as a whole this year, Tom, the Big Ten Conference, I know it has been a sore spot with some hockey fans for a few years since it was created five years ago, but. Right now, that league is really, really solid top to bottom. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan both have new coaches this season, and, and they're better than they were a year ago. And, and right now, there's three teams in the top ten in the rankings all out of the Big Ten Conference. So it's made it very challenging every single weekend. And uh, the Gophers kind of sputtered into the Christmas break, losing five of the last six games. But they're, they've been close. And of course, you don't get any cigars for that. And... Uh, uh, that's not good enough. we just got to find a way to score some more goals. So I'm hoping the uh, the old fellow with the reindeer delivered some uh, some goals into their Christmas stockings.
1: Yeah, because it's hard to see how they turn this around. They're not scoring like they should be, and then they've even had trouble in goal. I know didn't – Shearhorn missed his first start and I don't know how long, somewhere in that streak near the end. Things kind of got lost in the haze of the holidays there uh, the last week or two. But uh, what do you think it's going to take for them to turn this around?
4: Well, I think just just getting some goals. They're getting the shots on goal, which has been really uh, encouraging, but they're just not going in for them. And As we all know, goaltending has certainly improved at all levels of hockey over the last few years, and and uh, the positions are very sound. So they are getting the opportunities. I think you just need a little bit of puck luck every now and then, and, and let's hope that that can shine through for them because this is not a team that is – not used to scoring goals. you know. Usually they've been one of the top-scoring teams in the country year in and year out, and uh, right now it's, it's been a bit of a challenge. So uh, hopefully that will change here going into the new year, and uh, I sometimes have always thought that a break around Christmas is a good thing. It, it gets you physically and mentally away from the game for a bit, and uh, hopefully that will spark a new energy for these guys, and uh, they'll start finding the net.
1: Wally, we're going to take a break. I'm hoping to talk to you uh, on the other side about the Frozen Four, which I don't know how many hockey fans have focused on this, but this year it's in St. Paul. That means the Hobie Baker Award will also be handed out here in St. Paul. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Frozen Four and the Hobie Baker Award with Wally Schaefer, the voice of the Golden Gopher hockey team, after this. back on garage logic tom hauser chief political reporter for five eyewitness news and deputy mayor here on garage logic filling in for joe Soucheret today who i hope is enjoying a wonderful holiday week as i hope most listeners are as well we're joined by wally shaver the voice of golden gopher hockey here on 1500 espn wally uh the frozen four is coming we've of course since it's going to be here in st paul we'd love to see either the gophers or UMD, or St. Cloud, uh, Minnesota Mankato, somebody from Minnesota in the Frozen Four right now among the Minnesota D1 teams. Who is looking like the best bet to end up in St. Paul for the Frozen Four?
4: Well, I'd love to say the Gophers would stand a good chance, and I think if they can get some things turned around, uh, they'll, they'll certainly have that opportunity. But St. Cloud State right now, I think, is one of the most interesting teams in the entire country. They're, they're currently ranked number one in the nation. They've had a, a phenomenal season so far, and what I think is absolutely unique to them, there's only two other players that are in the top 80 scores in the entire country, and their leading goal scorer, or their leading scorer for points, is a defenseman, but yet they are the top-scoring team in the nation, so uh, they've really got a balanced attack there, and I think that's what makes them so doggone difficult to defend, is that you don't know who's going to do it, and uh, their head coach Bob Motzko is now uh, guiding the U.S. Uh, uh, junior team in Buffalo for the World Junior Championship. So they have a phenomenal coaching staff there. They got a really, really deep team, and uh, they're going to be a tough one to beat. Uh, Minnesota State, uh, you know, right now they're ranked number seven in the nation, and they're they're running away with the WCHA conference as well. So uh, they're a team that I think has got a very good opportunity to make it as well. So I think. We, you know, we've got three really solid teams in the state this year that all have legitimate chances at getting in the St. Paul.
1: And the great thing about the way the, the tournament is set up, if, if the Gophers can get hot at the right time, uh, you know, despite their record right now and their recent losing five out of six games, uh, they could make a run. They've certainly got the talent. There's no question about that.
4: Yeah, they do, and uh, they'll get a couple of guys back from the World Junior Tournament when uh, that ends here, uh, just after New Year's. Uh, Casey Middlestad is up there. He's a freshman phenom out of uh, Eden Prairie who's had a really good first half for Minnesota. Uh, he picked up two goals in the first period alone at the World Junior Championship uh, yesterday when they beat uh, uh, Denmark 9 to nothing. so good to see him uh, contributing right away. And then Ryan Lindgren, uh, our defenseman, uh, assistant captain on the team, uh, he's in his second year, uh, second tour of duty, I should say, with the world junior team representing the United States. So uh, they'll probably miss this weekend's games against Army, but they'll be back in time when uh, Minnesota has a home-and-home series uh, that first weekend of January with St. Cloud. So if you want to see a good series of hockey, uh, go for St. Cloud uh, right after the new year. That, that will be one to bank on.
1: And just a little over a minute left, let's talk about the Hobie Baker Award that will be handed out uh, in between uh, the semifinals and the finals of the Frozen Four on April 6th. The tournament, of course, is April 5th and 7th, and that's going to be a lot of excitement for people here in Minnesota. They'll get another chance uh, to attend uh, the award ceremony and see the uh, best college hockey player uh, who represents what Hobie Baker did, uh, handed that award right here in St. Paul.
4: Yeah, we're going to conduct it all over at the Roy Wilkins Auditorium, part of the the River Center XL Energy Center Complex in St. Paul. Uh, the X is going to be hosting the Frozen Four Tournament, as you know, and uh, we'll have uh, three finalists uh, that day on that Friday night. Uh, one of them will be declared the winner, and uh, I don't know who we're going to get because there's so many doggone good players right now, Tom, in college hockey, and it, it certainly uh, – significant when you take a look at national hockey league rosters, about a third of the players in the nhl right now come out of u.s college hockey so we're putting out some really really good ones and uh as always i look forward to being part of the the hobie baker committee and, uh, and seeing uh who's going to be crowned this year's uh top player in the country and
1: i'm looking forward uh, to that myself and we'll have more information coming out uh soon on how fans can get involved in choosing the hobie baker Uh, winner, and then also how they can go about attending the awards ceremony. A lot of exciting stuff to come up, and maybe uh, a little bit later in the season, Wally, I'll have you back on again, and we'll talk about some more details and who some of the leading contenders might be once the season starts to sort itself out a little bit.
4: Yeah, I'd love to do that once more, and it's a free event, too. We should let people know, so no admission charge to come and see the the award ceremony itself.
1: Absolutely. We love to get young people out there, too, to to see what uh, see the winner and what they can aspire to in their own hockey careers, perhaps, someday. So, Wally Shaver, thanks for joining us. Again, the voice of Golden Gopher Hockey here on 1500 ESPN. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Wally, also a member of the Hobie Baker Memorial Committee, uh, which I also serve on, and so he is just a tireless worker and advocate for college hockey here in the state of Minnesota. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back. And we're back on Garage Logic. Tom Hauser sitting in for Joe Suchere today with Chris Reavers, really the mastermind of everything. He's yeah, running, which is frightening, I think, to most of if us. If that's the case, then we're him.
2: all in a whole bunch of trouble. That's for uh, sure. At
1: the top of the next hour, we're going to talk some politics. You know, uh, along with hockey, uh, they're probably tied for my first loves: hockey and and politics. And as you may have known, uh, Mister uh the last month or so has been rather interesting. In politics here in Minnesota, can you even
2: phrase it as the last month? I mean, for God's sake, <laughs> month it's, and a half. Uh, I guess it's probably sure. been a
1: month and a half, or we could say the last ten years. We could. We, there was a number of ways we could go with this, but we're going to talk to Stephen Cheer from Carleton College about the 2018 elections. They're going to be amazing, given the fact we're going to have the governor's race and two U.S. Senate seats. All eight members of Congress and all 134 members of the Minnesota House up for re-election. Are we
2: going to see as early campaigning as as we've ever as we ever had? Yes,
1: and more money than has ever been spent in this state. Oh my God, on political campaigning. I believe we'll talk more about that in the next hour.
2: Coming up here on the home of sports talk in the Twin Cities, we are of course 1500 ESPN, which is KSDP St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's a rather frigid three degrees outside. Tom Hauser.